Her life's work is representing others and giving voice to the voiceless. She's presently in the midst of the biggest battle of her professional life, and it's something which will literally impact all of us in some fashion here in central New York. Her name is Lanessa Owens Chaplin, and she's our guest on this edition of our podcast. Well, welcome to Chatting About College, a podcast originating from Onondaga Community College in Syracuse, New York. My name is Roger Mirabito. We record our podcast in the studios of our Broadcast Media Communications degree program. It's located in the Whitney Applied Technology Center on our campus. On the night of October 6th, we will honor this year's class of what we call Alumni Faces. These are former students who've made a difference in their community and in their chosen profession. Our guest today is one of the members of our Alumni Faces class of 2021. She's Lanessa Owens Chaplin, and we're honored to welcome her to Chatting About College. Thank you. Um, Nice to see you. Great to have you here. So you're an attorney. You're doing very important work as lead counsel for the New York Civil Liberties Union. And your focus right now is on Interstate 81 and the effort to remove it from the center of the city of Syracuse. We'll get to all that in a few minutes. I wanted to kind of back into your life before OCC, during OCC, and beyond. You grew up with some pretty significant life challenges. By age 17, you were living on your own while you were attending Henniger High School. What do you remember about those years? I just remember feeling like I needed to make sure I stayed in school, made sure I graduated, but also needed to pay my rent and also needed to figure out how to pay national grid and how to get to school. So I think I was just balancing a lot of life responsibilities. And I learned early on, like, self-motivation is the only thing that's going to keep me going. So I worked full-time at Kentucky Fried Chicken. Wow. Um, and that's how I paid my rent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just caught the bus to school. I didn't necessarily have the nicest clothes, but I, I had a nice, a stable stable place to live. That's a lot of responsibility for someone 17 years old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you graduate from Hanager High School and you decide to come to OCC. What were you hoping to do here? That in itself, I think, was kind of a leap of faith. Mm-hmm. Um, because by the time I was 18, I thought I had a good job, quote unquote, right? And so I was making decent money. Um, I was able to pay my bills. And I thought, okay, this is this is my lot in life. This is what I'm going to do. But after about a year, I just kind of didn't feel satisfied. And so I started to look to what local colleges do we have in the area. I could just kind of dip my toes in to a college class and see if it was the thing for me. And so I looked at OCC and I thought this was a great start. It was something that they opened their doors to me. So when I went to talk to someone about getting in, they were really welcoming and they had... um just made it feel like this is something you can do and this is something you should do. So I gave it a chance. So you're a full-time college student. You're working full-time. And you start taking a business law class. And that really opened your eyes, didn't it? It did. And so I've, I was told most of my life that I, I love to argue and I should think about being an attorney. But I didn't know any attorneys growing up. I hadn't experienced what attorneys did. And I didn't know any that looked like me, for sure. So I didn't think it was an achievable goal. But when I was at OCC, I saw the business law class and I said, let me let me just give it a try. And it really opened my mind to, wait, I can do this. I can. I'm smart enough. Right. I'm, I'm enough to take this type of class. And I did really well in the class. And the professor, she was just so great. Um, and that kind of prompted and sparked something in me that said I should probably seriously think about going to law school. So you finish here in 2003, you get your bachelor's, and then you do go to law school, right? That's correct. Yeah, and you pass the bar exam and 
just like that, you're an attorney. On the first try. That's right. <laughs> wow. That, did you ever take a moment and just think about, you know, after you passed the bar exam, where you were at that moment and where you came from? Because it's, it's unbelievable. No, actually, I <laughs> I hadn't. I didn't. I didn't realize growing up how tough my life was until I started to share my story. Because for me, that was my story. Sure. Um, and um, just in my household, that was just kind of the norm. Um, so I didn't think anything of it until I started talking to people about my life experience, and they were like, "Wait, what? <laughs> That's not normal." Um, yeah. So I, I hadn't really had a, a moment to reflect on that. Yeah, I I do as I get older, and I and now have my own son, and realize how much that was amazing. So let's talk about Interstate eighty one. I want to give a little background on it before we get into the conversation. But the elevated portion of it, which bisects the city of Syracuse, um, as we record this podcast in August, it's looking like as the discussion goes on that the elevated portion will co- come down. And we'll go to what's called a community grid system where we have surface level streets. In terms of your role on this, tell us what you're doing as lead counsel for the New York Civil Liberties Union. The New York Civil Liberties Union got involved because we thought and saw this project as a civil rights and civil liberties issue. We Really a racial justice issue and an opportunity to ameliorate some of the harm from the past, right? So we all know the egregious harm that the original bill created, but making sure, one, we don't repeat those mistakes and also trying to elevate the voice of the community that oftentimes feels like they're not heard. And so that was one of our primary focuses when we originally took on this um, huge infrastructure project. I have to tell you, when I hear the term systemic racism, sometimes I think we use terms like that because we don't want to name names of who the really responsible people are. But Mm -hmm. when I hear that term and I look at where that road is and where the people are who live next to it, to me, that's like the picture-perfect definition of something that is just so wrong and needs to be corrected. A hundred percent. I mean, that's an example of systemic racism That's an example of structural racism. That's an example of people in power making decisions that detrimentally impact people's lives with little regard. That project happened in the 1950s and 60s, and people were protesting then. There is that kind of narrative like, well, they didn't know that it would cause that much harm. They absolutely knew, right? The communities did a 24-hour sit-in in front of City Hall. They wrote newspaper articles. Uh, They complained to the federal government. It still went through their neighborhood. And there's a very Mm -hmm. real emotional, psychological damage in that community as a result. They remember that pain. Many of them are still alive. I mean, it was in the 1960s. And so when we talk about that, it's a really sensitive spot for that community. And they feel the burdens every day of that original action. We had a conversation before we started recording about how you've been down there before and talking to people and just about the noise, how much louder you have to talk, the the pollution, people having to clean their windows frequently. It just it's amazing those conditions next to the interstate. As a point of clarification, like I am that community, right? Like my um, I'm I'm a native of Syracuse, mm-hmm. born and raised here, and my very first apartment when I was an <laughs> adult at age of 18, was in the Pioneer Homes. I did not know that. So I lived there, and I would have probably moved there sooner, but there was a wait list. And it was one of the few places where you can get affordable housing that actually goes by your income. So for someone like me who was facing homelessness, that was an opportunity for me to have stable housing and also create a pathway for me to go to OCC and not think I have to work full time to maintain an apartment. And so I am one of those people. And so I, I've experienced what that viaduct feels like to live so close to it. And I think that's why I bring that that kind of really 
intimate passion to the work. There's soot and dust on the on the on the walls, on the windows. Residents complain they can't open their windows because of all of the noise and the dust that's coming in every day. I mean, not to mention you have school-aged children going to school ten right. feet away from a major highway. There was a locally produced documentary which won an Edward R. Murrow Award. It was put together by News Channel Lines Jennifer Sanders and Jack Estabrook. It was titled Hidden History, the end of Syracuse's fifteenth ward, and it detailed the construction of Interstate eighty one and how it was devastating to the people who lived in that community. I thought that was so well done and opened a lot of people's eyes to the destruction that was done by the building of that interstate there. I was curious what you thought about it. I thought that documentary was perfectly done. And I also thought that she presented it in a way that made it made folks who maybe didn't know about the history of the project, it made them aware of the history. Um, I do think it's unfortunate. We don't really learn the history of things that happened in Syracuse. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was one of the ways I thought she did a great job ex- at explaining the history and why it's so important. Uh, I did hear a lot of conversations three or four years ago, like, well, why are we talking about racial justice? It's just a highway project. And so I think that her documentary did a great job at like connecting those dots for folks. Yes, yes. So because of all the work you've done, you're continuing to do, and will do in the future, not only with this project, but with everything else you're involved with. Your school, Onondaga Community College, decided to make you an alumni face. You will be honored with a wonderful ceremony in October. (laughs) I'm wondering what your reaction was when you learned that OCC would be honoring you. Honestly, I was floored, honored, humbled, taking time to reflect on who I am and saying, well, I did did do these things. Um, And so I was really humbled and, and, and floored by the idea of getting honored by a school institution um, just because of my history with school. So this, I think this was a really, just a fantastic recognition. So there are seven of you who are going to be honored as alumni faces on the night of October 6th. And in honor of the seven of you, we have a game we want to play now. It's called Box of Questions. There's seven honorees, and we've put seven generic life questions in a box. You can hear the box. <laughs> and we're just going to pull them out one at a time and learn a little bit more about you. Are you uh, ready? I, I think so. This is high pressure. <laughs> um, your first car. My first car was a 1976 Chevy Celebrity. Wow. And I paid $350 for it. No kidding. I did. I've been intrigued by the fact that I've had these conversations with other alumni faces And even if the car may have been a total clunker, they still have these wonderful memories of it. How was it for you? It was a great first car. (laughs) I I think that's when the cars were made of steel. Mm -hmm. And I hit a lot of trees, bumped a lot of curbs, (laughs) a lot of mailboxes. Mm -hmm. Um, But that thing never never fell apart on me. So it was a fantastic car. and And it lasted about two years. Awesome. Question number two, cat or dog? Dog. Dog, okay. My dog's name is Lolly. Lolly? An eight-year-old pit bull. Question number three. You can go to one concert to see any band in their prime. Who would it be? Michael Jackson. That was quick. Gotta see Mike. All right. Did you ever see Michael Jackson? No, before my time. Okay. Number four. You've had a long day at work. You had planned to cook, but you don't feel like cooking. What's your go-to takeout? I'm thinking of something healthy to choose, but honestly, pizza. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have a favorite place to go? Any pizza place will do. Okay. Your favorite caffeinated beverage? Cherry Coke. All right. Number six, tell us one thing about yourself that would make people question your sanity. I often talk to myself Mm. and I answer myself. 
Oh, really? I do. You have the whole conversation with yourself. I have a whole conversation. Yourself. That's great. <laughs> and and will you just be walking down the street doing this? I, I typically try to stay in my house when I'm talking to myself. <laughs> All right. Final question. Your favorite OCC person and why? My favorite OCC person. Yeah. Maybe it's a professor from years ago or a fellow student from when you were here. So at the time, there was um, a director of EOP. Mm, okay. Is that still around? Absolutely. And I want to say his name was Corey. Okay. And I think he was a director of EOP. Okay. But he walked me through the funding process. Mm. So that was my favorite person. <laughs> were you pretty involved in EOP when you were here? I was. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And how did that help you? It was my lifeline. I was in a totally different world. Just to put it in perspective, um, my mother had an eighth grade education. Mm. So going to college was a huge step for me. And so like the EOP students, I was able to have that conversation with them to talk about like, how do you navigate college in, in a place where you don't have many people to ask those questions to? So it was definitely my safe space when I was here. Well, Vanessa Owens Chaplin, you're remarkable. Thank what, you. What you've overcome to get to this point is unbelievable. It's great. <laughs> and congratulations on everything. And We look forward to honoring you in October. I appreciate you for having me. Thank you so much. And we'd also like to say thank you to our Broadcast Media Communications degree program for use of their studios here on campus. And thanks to you as well for listening. I'm Roger Mirabito, inviting you to subscribe to our podcast, Chatting About College. You can find it on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you download fine podcasts from.